Well, good evening, everyone, and uh, welcome to a venerable and a sacred night. If you don't know Father Mike, Father Mike Rapp, here at Our Lady of Lords with me, uh, great to have him celebrating tonight. We won't have the washing of feet tonight as you're used to, uh, because of social distancing, obviously. So tonight, uh, tonight God gives us two gifts. He gives us, Jesus gives us the gift of the priesthood and the gift of the Eucharist. Both of those sacraments were given to the church tonight by Jesus himself. And it's, it's tonight I'm so grateful to him. So if you don't go to Our Lady of Lords, you might not know this, uh, but if you do, you know this well, is that I am a melancholic, which means that I basically think the world is against me and I'm happy when I'm sad. Try to work that one out. <laughs> Good luck with that. Jesus was melancholic too, I'm convinced of that. But anyway, uh, tonight I was getting ready for... Uh, the celebration of this sacred Mass of the Lord's Supper. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be, this is kind of strange. Like, my church, my people are not going to be there. But we're going to have, like, cameras, and that's kind of strange. And I was like, you know, I should probably trim my neckline. So I got out kind of my beard trimmer, and I was trimming my neckline. And my mother will laugh, because this is not the first time. But I, I cut right into the back of my, the hair on the back of my neck. Big chunk right out the back of it. And I'm a melancholic, so I was like, huh, of course. Of course this happens. Right now, the one time, like, we're on camera, like, everybody's going to be like, oh my gosh, look at that terrible chump priest. What a mess he is. And I was like, oh, the world is just against me. And I don't know if you feel that way, but I know you do. I know there's times in your life where you have felt like the world's out to get you. This week for me was a little bit of a tough week. I feel pressures in certain ways. And, and with the coronavirus and everything going on, I felt some anxiety. And me you know, messing up my haircut is not a big deal. Today, people are dealing with much bigger things. Maybe you are. Maybe tonight you're at home and you're dealing with a family member who's dying. Maybe you're dealing with a job that's going to be lost and you have fears about the future. You say, God, where are you? Do you really care? Are you really, are you really someone who loves me? Because right now it feels like the world is against me. All of us feel that sometimes. Probably many of us feel that right now in a 
acute way. And tonight I want to reflect with you. There's so many different things we could talk about. But tonight, that's what I want to talk with you about. And what I want to tell you tonight is that God is for you. I want to talk about the Eucharist. And I want you to understand that even in our times of difficulty, even in our times of fear and doubt, in our times of loneliness and isolation, God is for us. Jesus tonight gives us the sacrament of the Eucharist, the, the best thing that he has ever given us because it's himself. And it's that way that God has given us where we're not alone, where we have communion with him and with each other. And I want to zero in tonight, and I want you to pray about this, and I want you to think about this and open your hearts. There are five accounts of the Last Supper in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all talk about the Last Supper. And by the way, there are not too many things that all four Gospels talk about. There's only a couple of things that, that all four Gospels account for. And that's a sign to us that the Last Supper is massively important. It's the center, it's the beating heart of the Christian life is the Eucharist. So all four Gospels talk about the Last Supper. And St. Paul talks about it in our second reading tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want to zero in on what St. Paul says to us about that moment that the Lord desired to be with us and when he desired to give himself to us with everything he had. Now all of you tonight, I know that it's so hard. It's so hard not to be able to receive communion tonight. I know that. I know it's difficult. The one thing I want to say really briefly to that, in Luke chapter 22, in Luke's account of the Last Supper, in Luke 22, in verse 14, Jesus says this. He says, When the hour came, he sat at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Hear, hear that one more time. Luke twenty-two fifteen. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You have a desire right now. I know you do. If you're watching this from home, I know that your heart says, Jesus, I burn with hunger for communion. And I know it's hard not to receive, and I know you wish you were here, but I just want to tell you, brothers and sisters, this time of absence is not opposed to love. 
Sometimes we get used to the sacraments. We get used to having daily mass every day. And, and, and sacraments are available whenever we want them. One, one historian I like, he says that, he says, in the modern world, there's never been a time when human beings loved the mass so much as in 18th century Ireland when it was a crime to celebrate the mass. So I know you desire it, and let God feed that hunger. Let him feed that desire in your heart to say, Jesus, I will never go to Mass the same way. I'll never take it for granted again. And because of this time, I will remember what a great gift the sacrifice of the Mass is in my life. But Jesus here in Luke 22 what I want you to know is that it's not just you who desire communion with him. He desires that with you. Jesus could have died at any time. But he made very careful preparations to make sure that he would not die before he had given us the Eucharist. Powerful, powerful things. And so your desire for God, feed that. His desire is also for you. And I want you to be confident about that. But back to, to our main topic tonight. If you're not used to Lord's, that was sermon number two. We'll go back to sermon number one. Uh, there's five accounts of the Last Supper. And Jesus tonight in, in, in St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, our second reading, St. Paul is talking about the Last Supper. And Paul recounts what Jesus said. He says, And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, This is my body, which is for you. We could talk about a million things tonight. But what I want you to hear tonight from the words of Jesus Christ who loves you, who redeemed you, who tonight in the Eucharist gives himself fully to you. You have a temptation, all of us do right now, to say, is the world a good place? Am I loved? Does my life have a purpose? Is there great suffering coming? And what I want you to hear from the words of the Savior is that God is not against you. He is for you. And that's what the Eucharist is. I've been, I don't know what you've been doing in the quarantine. Um, I've been watching more YouTube than I care to admit. Uh, Father Mike has been watching cat videos all day long. <laughs> no, he probably hasn't. <laughs> yeah. Cat videos keep you occupied. But one of the things I've been watching, I've been watching some debates about atheists and uh, Christian kind of apologists who say, 
we can know for sure that God exists. And I think that's an important topic. But what I want to talk about tonight is I know you know God exists. Even if you're someone who's sitting with your family tonight and you haven't been to church in a long time, you know God exists. You know it in the depths of your soul. The question is, is God a God who is good? If there's so much suffering in the world, if, if I might lose my job or my spouse might lose his or her job, does God really love me? Does he really care? Is he really good? That's at the heart of the question of what it means to be a human being. In your life, I want to remind you tonight, just like a good parent, a good parent, what they want for their child is not just for them to be comfortable. They want that. When your child hurts, you hurt more than they do. I know that. But you don't just want your child to be comfortable and to not have painful experiences. You want your child to be mature and wise and holy. And that's good. That's a really good thing that you desire that for your children. God is good. He wants what's best for us. And I want to show you a couple times in, in, in Scripture, the story of Scripture, God doesn't just fix our problems. I always wish He would. I'm like, God, you know, if my parishioners would just understand how awesome I am, right, then life would be great. Right? If my inbox didn't have so many emails, if my life was just a little easier, then life would be great. No, it wouldn't. We all know it would not be that way. Because life isn't about that. It's not about comfort. It's not about an easy path. Life is about finding truth and goodness and beauty and giving yourself for that. And so all through the Bible, God shows us not that he's going to make our path easy, but that he is with us. He's the God who is with us. So in Moses, in Exodus 3, he goes to the burning bush, and God reveals who he is in Exodus 3.14. And scripture scholars will talk about what does it mean when God, in Exodus 3.14, I was talking to Father Mike about this today, who's, he's an expert in Hebrew. Uh, and I was like, is this, am I off here? And we had a great conversation. But in Exodus 3, God says, I am. But in the context, in the context of that passage, here's what it means, brothers and sisters. It's not just that God exists. It's not just that I am who am. God's name is meant to be understood in Exodus 3 as I am the God who is with you. I'm not going to fix your problems. I'm not just going to make your life easy. But I will be with you. And so when Moses has to go back to Egypt and he has to face Pharaoh, 
And he has to face the people who are hurting and who have fears and doubts. Moses doesn't have all the answers. But God is with him. In Matthew's Gospel, Matthew quotes Isaiah chapter 7. And when Mary gives birth to Jesus, he quotes Isaiah 7, 14. And they will call him, this is to fulfill what the prophet said, that they will call him Emmanuel. And you know what that means. It doesn't just mean God exists. It means God is with us. And of all the times in the Bible, and all the times in history that's happened, and God has been faithful always, and he's shown us in so many ways. And I know in my life, he has shown me in so many ways. Brian, I am with you. And even when it's hard, and you have to face things that you wish you didn't have to face, I am with you. Tonight in our second reading, St. Paul recounting the Last Supper, the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Jesus, that's all I need. That's all I need. I don't need a road that has no speed bumps. I don't have to have a life where there's no suffering. There's no fear. But I don't want to be alone. I don't want to face these things by myself. Tonight, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ gave us the greatest gift that God has ever given the world. He gave us himself. Because the world isn't against you. <laughs> maybe it feels like it. Maybe, maybe there are things in the world itself that are. But every time you, you receive the Eucharist, and even when you can't, God is for you. He is for you. And isn't that what we want? Deep down, I don't want to just know that I can know God's law and I can know his existence. I want to know his love. And he has fulfilled that wish more than I ever could have asked for. In Romans 8, if you're... If you have your Bible tonight, and if you don't, tomorrow or later tonight after Mass, open up your Bible and I want you to read Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, there's this, 
there's been this big question all through Romans of, is God faithful? Is he really faithful? And when, when things don't go the way we expect, can we really trust him? And in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, St. Paul says this. He says, what shall we say to this? And I love this. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Tonight, Jesus says to us in the Eucharist, at the Last Supper, he says, this is my body, which is for you. God did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all. Will he not also give us all things with him? What if you had everything else? What if the coronavirus ended tomorrow? What if the economy came back tomorrow? We all hope for that. But what if you had all those things, but you didn't have the love of God? You didn't have someone who was in your corner who was for you? Brothers and sisters, it's better the other way. We are different. You and I are different because we know and we have every confidence that there is someone, there is a God who is for us. Paul goes on. Verse 38, he says, I am sure, and I want you to hear this tonight, whatever's going on in your life, maybe you're ready to just kind of kill your family because you've been cooped up so much. I don't know. Whatever's happening in your life, hear this. Romans 8, 38, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come, right, whatever might be in our future, that does not have power over us. Neither angels or principalities or things present nor things to come. No height or depth or anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the best news ever. There is nothing better than that. Whatever tomorrow may hold, whether tomorrow is my last day, whether tomorrow is a day of suffering, whether tomorrow I lose someone I love, God is for me. And he has shown me that in the Eucharist. And if God is for us, who can be against us?